Well, what's going on, Jason? Nice weather, nice Friday. Happy Friday again. We're back in the studio, buddy. Yeah, Jason McCoy alongside my co-host and, and again. And social better. Social butterfly. Social better Nelson Bowyer. What do you think? What, I don't what know. should we it's, talk about today? Sometimes it's tough coming up with a topic. Oh, dude, I know. It's uh Did you see that stupid story about a pepper? You see that that pepper story? They they well, they, they created a new pepper. Oh yeah, Pepper X, Rock yeah, Hill, South X. Carolina. That's yeah. that's the the great Ed Curry. Which, I don't I don't know which why. Which is kind of interesting. His name dude, is Curry. I, I don't know why people eat that crap. Dude, he is the uh, he isolated the pepper seed or gene or whatever the molecule I, that made the Carolina Reaper. Dude, I actually have quite and a. And he's bit. got a new one called Pepper X. Yeah, Pepper X. I I have a lot of experience with hot peppers. You do. I do. I when I was stationed in alabama we had to certify on pepper spray which is actually made from hot peppers. from oleo resin capsicum and hot pepper seeds yeah uh, so they call it oc spray pepper spray it's yeah. the same thing and let me tell you something there was one guy and there are a percentage of people who are, are not just affected not yet. affected right yeah. so like my brother-in-law is one of these dudes he could go on the fourth of july to buffalo wild wings mm -hmm. and Easy he could thing eat he could eat those peppers. I'm like, dude, good for you. But um, I don't know how people do that, man. That's that stuff's crazy. Yeah, they make me break out into a sweat. But here's the thing, I still love doing it. Wonder why. That wait a minute, wait a minute. I got a good idea. I got a good idea. What's that? I I have a prediction for okay, okay. our topic for this show. Yeah, what's that? Pain. Pain. Nice. Let's put pain on the couch. Let's do it. And just like that, it's Friday again, ladies and gentlemen. Again, your host, Jason McCoy, alongside my friend, colleague, and social better. Elson Bowyer. And for any of our new listeners, we are the cast of Put Them on, on the, the couch. couch. Yeah, we have to bring that back, man. We we used to do Put Them on the Couch like that all the time. I don't know why we stopped. Yeah, I'm not really sure, man. We've gotten uh We've gotten lazy. We've gotten lazy. Gotten lazy in our old age. That's right, buddy. Yeah, man. So this uh Pain. This guy. Pain. I'm actually wearing Ed the perfect Curry. outfit for pain. I'm yeah, wearing my New England Patriot jersey and it hurts. Yeah, I bet it does. Um, speaking of pain and loss, I believe Bill Belichick is coming up on like a record for the number of he losses. He is coming on a record. Yep. He, but you know what? He's also coming up uh, on a record for the number of wins. So, hey, you know what they say, baby? No pain, no gain. Yeah, no pain, no gain. Is We're that true? Well, I, let's I, talk about I, it. Yeah, we will. Uh, specifically, um, before we get started, specifically talking about pain. I want to talk about this guy, Curry, Ed Curry from Rock Hill, South Carolina. So this guy is into growing hot peppers. Yeah, right? he had the other record, didn't he? Yeah. For the, for the Reaper. Some time ago, I don't know, late 2000s, maybe 2010, 15, he produced what was allegedly the world's hottest pepper, so many times hotter than habaneros even, and how, how, um, multiple times hotter than the ghost pepper, which we thought were the hottest peppers, right? And... um. He had these things certified, and they're, yeah, they have so many Do you like Scoville. those things, though? Well, yes. Not Do you like raw, hot food? Not raw, but I love hot food. Oh, gross. Love it, love it. Love love hot wings, love to put hot sauce on my food. But this guy comes out 
this week with another pepper. Okay. He says, look, had this thing in my back pocket for two years. You know why he didn't release it? Uh, I have no idea. He was waiting on somebody. He was a hot ass. Yeah, he was waiting on someone. He said he was waiting on someone to beat his Reaper, his Carolina Reaper. He, he no wanted, one did. He wanted so he's to give like, you know what? Chance. Yeah, he was giving him a two year chance. He's like, look, I've already had this thing out. I'm gonna what go ahead and dink. release it. So he released it. Let me tell you what he said when they interviewed him. He said, "Oh yeah, this one's hot, man." They said, "Have you tasted it?" He said, "Yeah, I took a bite. I was on my marble floor in my house for one hour, writhing in stomach pain." Yeah. Well, look. Pain is fascinating. Some people go through, you know, great go to great lengths to avoid it, and some people sort of go to great lengths to invite it. So I, I don't know what. Which one are you? Are you somebody who avoids pain? You know, or? I'm an oxymoron. I'm I'm complicated like most humans. I think, you know, we are all sort of engineered um, to both approach and withdraw or avoid pain. Think about it. Yeah. You know, from the moths to humans, moths are attracted to light. It's it's bright, it's warm, but get too close and it burns you and maybe kills you, right? right. Likewise, humans are definitely, definitely attracted to things that bring them pain, both physical right. and psychological, right? Yeah, both I mean, in the short absolutely. term and the long term, especially yeah. pain in the long term. Yet... There's something attractive about it. Uh, I think part of it has to do with the fact that we play these cognitive games, right? Like, we know that a little bit of pain now might pay off in the future. Sure. Right? So we'll, sure. we'll put ourselves through a little pain now so that we can be more comfortable later. This is why people may go to college. This is why people, you know, might save money, might stay home and drink their own coffee and make their own sandwiches every day instead of going out. Right. It's, it's sort of, I'll, I'll pay the piper or popper or whatever. I'll pay, I'll pay the price now. Right. But for the, I'll for actually, the payoff later. Yeah, I mean, for the that's later. what we're saving for, for retirement. Right. The idea is that one day I'll get to retire and, and I won't have to go to work and I'll still have enough money to live. Yeah. But the denial of pleasure is not in and of itself painful necessarily. Well, right? no, not necessarily. In so, fact, so what I what I would, but I am fascinated by this idea of this um, this seeking out of of pain because not just in like, hey, I'm not gonna go out for coffee or mm -hmm. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm, I'm gonna study Which really is a hard bit on painful, Friday, right, 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 right. Like people throughout history have connected pain with. Uh, knowledge with enlightenment with the divine attraction and beauty and, and I'm not just talking about like a little bit of denial here and there I'm talking about flagellism I'm talking yeah, of course. I'm talking aestheticism oh putting the body through well, really intense I, pain who, to try to sort of find something spiritual which is really always fascinated me is there something physical to that? And emotional right physical Shakespeare emotional talked about it with the scarlet letter oh uh, well that was Nathaniel Hawthorne I'm sorry. <laughs> Nathaniel Hawthorne <laughs> talked about it in the Scarlet Letter. I hope Dylan Patterson is listening. Yeah. Um, Shout also, out to our English department. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also, um, there's the pain that Jesus suffered on the cross. That's the aesthetic pain that I'm yeah, talking about, right. but not just on the cross, right? We had the 40 days. Sure. Yeah. What you know? What comes before Lent and the 40 days? Oh, fasting. No, no, no. The 40 days is the fast. You know what comes before that, my friend? I don't know the anticipation of the pain you're going to be in. Yes, yes. And in order to get ready for the denial, yeah. you indulge there in you Mardi Gras. Right, 
That's right. uh, that's where Bloody Girl comes from. At least from. in New Orleans, you do. I don't know what they do in other Mobile places. too. Well, no, in, throughout in, the South in Brazil, yeah. they actually. In, in well, there's adults. tons of Mardi Gras. It's Carnival, right? They uh, just call it different things. I, I don't know. I didn't know if Carnival was connected to Mardi Gras. Oh, I think and it, is, it could be because yeah. yeah, because Brazil is very Catholic. Well, look, what we know is pain is not as straightforward as we used to believe, right? Right. Hundreds of years ago, we thought it was a matter of you stimulate part of the body or excite the nerves in the body. And then they they sort of um, pass the message off to the spine and the brain, and you get pain. Now we realize that pain is driven just as much, if not more, by expectations, by mood, by your own sort of personal perspective. Pain is both psychological and physical, intimately, intimately tied to all of these things, not just brain functions and brain chemicals so are you, in and of themselves. But. So are you saying if you know mm. and you expect it is going to hurt, it actually hurts less? Well, it could hurt more if you are anticipating it to hurt like hell and you're starting to think about it and ruminate on it, right? And maybe even get yourself depressed about it. Then it's probably going to hurt like hell. However, if you are thinking about it more rationally and if someone who's in the know, maybe someone who's already had the procedure Someone who's already gone through that situation says to you, it's not that bad. I had it done, right? Um, then, of course, it might actually feel better. We know that social support, we know that thinking about things rationally, not catastrophizing, being in a good mood, having a more positive expectation of something does indeed have or come with it uh, analgesic effects. Wow. So, so what we know is that depressed people um, complain about being in more pain than people who are not depressed. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes we sense. We also know that, for instance, um, you know, if if you're in wartime and you say, you know, get get um, your leg cut and you end up in a hospital, you will complain less for the same injury that people in that hospital that may just be civilians will complain of. So both of you've got the same kind of wound. You were at war. You'll complain less. And the argument is because there's a different set of circumstances. You got hurt in war. You were in a battle that's noble. You now know you survived the battle. You're going home perhaps for a little while. Um, you have a story to tell. People may respect the fact that you got hurt or wounded at war, whereas the person that just, you know, cut themselves while they were well, sharpening their knife, I think you're, it's different. Yeah, I think you're touching on something kind of fundamental when it comes to pain, and that mm. is we want to know um, that yeah. our suffering is for Worth a reason, it. right? Yeah, is yeah, that it, it's, it's for a reason. And the better the reason, the maybe the easier it is to get through. Sure, and, you know, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with— So I mean, it, it's a double-edged sword always, so if, right? So if I had a spiritual reason for putting hot sauce, really, really flaming hot sauce on my burrito, you could respect that. Uh, I wouldn't respect your spiritual reason. But if I'm competing if with, you say, a buddy to, of mine to see who can eat the hottest hot wing, then that's maybe not as respectable. I w what, what I will say is this. Um, there are plenty of examples in numerous faiths where people put themselves to the through some sort of suffering in order to, uh, I don't know, become closer to some sort of truth, to, yeah, to... To put themselves through some sort of moral test, prove or their faith, prove, prove their, their faith, worth. Or walk on but fire. It's not a, but it's not about competing against people's... anyone. No, no, it's, it's not a competition, it's just... and it's not even competing against yourself. It's, you know, there's an old Buddhist phrase. I can't remember exactly where it comes from, but Dylan Patterson's going to be really upset with you. Well, I'm sorry, Dylan, but it's you know the the 
most real point in the universe is sitting on the tip of a spike. Well, of course. Because you know where you are. You can't forget where you are. You are there. Ah. Um, and and so sort in of that way, we pain sort of focuses yeah, the mind yeah. in a sense. Yeah, it's one of those evolutionary things that definitely reminds you that, man, injury is is impending. Well, and d- if you are hurting, you are alive. Yeah. You can't deny and, that you, you feel but that evolutionarily, you exist. not spiritually, but evolutionarily, if you're hurting, you could you could die. You could really injure yourself. I, I think about something simple like a blister from running in a bad pair of shoes. Now think about this. You pull that shoe off and it gives you a little bit of relief. Definitely focuses you, that pain. But not only that, but it helps drive the decisions you're going to make from that point forward, doesn't it? Right. Right? Like right. maybe in the short term, you rub it a little bit, you clean it up, you put a Band-Aid on it, um, you put a clean sock on it, you leave it out of the shoe. In the future, you think to yourself, man, I'm going to be more careful when I'm going to go for a run. I'm not going to put a crappy pair of shoes on. Sure. Maybe I'll use thicker socks. Maybe I'll maybe I'll make sure I have a, a good broken in pair of running shoes from this point forward. Well, you are supposed to, you know, exploring that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, also also that that pain governs your behavior, your decision-making, your attention. It it actually is connected to learning. I'm less interested. I know as a psychologist, you're very, uh, the, the, the learning aspects of pain. Mm -hmm. Um, But you don't care how well it, I'm more interested in the, motivating like why people do things that are painful what so we have in wilmington right now uh an iron man competition yeah going on right now. holy god explain this to me jason i mean a 140 mile bike ride mm-hmm. and preceded by a 2.4 mile swim mm-hmm. and followed by a 26.2 mile run right why? gonna take most people what 10, 12 hours to well, finish the, that the, thing? the record is seven hours and yeah, 17 minutes. But it's going to take with, most people yeah, well over 10, 12 10, hours. At least 10, 12 yeah. hours. I yeah. mean, why? There'll be people going all through the night. Why would we do that? Why do that to well, yourself? Well, I think you answered What, is, what are we you looking for yourself, here? Right? First of all, let's go back to, you know, aesthetics. Okay. Right? The philosophy of aesthetics, aestheticism. My, the denial my, of pleasure, pleasure and sure. the introduction of pain. And so that, sort of that in and of itself is beautiful, right? That in and of itself is sort of the name of the game. Like how much can I deny myself? How, how, how far can I how go? How far can I push myself? Yeah. Right? So there is that. Now, I'm assuming that most of the people who are participating in this are not spiritual. And even if they are, they're probably not thinking about it in terms of pure aesthetics. They're doing it because they're getting something out of it. What? Well... First of all, I think as a psychology person, I would say they are competing with themselves. Okay. Right? So there is obviously dopaminergic or dopamine releases going on. Similar to, but not not completely the same as gambling. They're playing, as we talked about in our last episode. They're playing. Right. Right? They're, they're, they're riding. They're not winning or losing. They're just riding. Okay. Next, they're competing against others. Right? Yeah. They're, they're obviously going to be able to measure themselves psychologically, for better or worse, by how many other people they can beat. Right. Okay. Right? That makes sense. I think it also um, is you get this possibility of a payoff for all the time, money, energy, training you've gone through. Maybe that maybe that plays a role in it. So you're saying sort of in the same way that I might feel a smug sense of moral superiority when I drive my electric car around. No, I don't people think might it's van. I don't feel think... a sense of no, I physical think... superiority. When they, okay, yeah. But well, you could drive that car around as a way of 
cheaply announcing that you are virtuous. Could you not? Oh, I do. I do. I right? absolutely do that. You can you can ride around <laughs> with your electric that. car that you paid maybe fourteen thousand dollars for. Correct me if I'm wrong. And um, you can you can feel a moral sense of superiority because you are doing something that's better for the world when really it was a pretty cheap trick. I can do the same isn't, thing. Isn't the yeah. Iron Man kind of a cheap trick? No, though? I'll tell you why. As you can imagine. I mean, all respect to runners, by the way, who are you doing this. You can't just get through the Iron Man, right? Okay. Because you want to signal that you're in good shape. You can't just get through the Iron Man uh, just because you want to convince a lot of people that you um, really train and that you're into pain. No, 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 no. If you make it through that Iron Man, you really are a different kind of person. You know this. But it doesn't take but a couple thousand dollars to get yourself an electric car. In fact, most people who signal their virtues uh, do it on the cheap, extremely cheap. Think about it. You know, Charlie Ebbo, when they were there was a tax oh, in yeah, Europe, yeah, yeah. that was one of the first times I noticed people were putting these little things around their their um, cover photo in Facebook. Yeah. Then there's the you know the ice bucket challenge. There's the yeah, you know yeah. what's the next what's the next tragedy that's happening globally? Oh. That's okay. I will draw attention to myself by putting some kind of banner on my social media site that takes me two seconds. Yeah. And I'm going to signal like, that I'll I'm put with a, the world. Yeah, I'll right. put a flag yeah. on, on, on my lapel. Yeah, I'll put a sticker lapel on your car yeah, after 9-11. Everybody said, God bless America. And we all agreed that we're, we weren't going to eat French fries. We we're going to. Well, look, you know, that's sort of. So and that's my thing. I, I don't think you can virtue signal as easily in an Iron Man. No, 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 I don't either. But it is amazing the lengths to which people will go to prove something to others, or, or you know, I think yeah. for more for Iron Man, some, something to themselves. It it really is impressive. Well, and, I, and the but, question I have is 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 it more impressive because you know it hurts because it does hurt, or is it more impressive because it just took a lot of time and sacrifice and training? Like, would I be as impressed with it if it didn't hurt? I don't know. Like, am I as impressed with somebody who earns a PhD um, or an Ironman? Like, honestly, I feel like I might be more impressed with somebody that completes an Ironman. Really? And I'm not sure why. I mean, now, I do know it hurts to probably get I mean, your PhD nipples problem. bleed. Like, I mean, <laughs> And I'm sure you're going to get some blisters on your feet. I hope that, you know, I, I have not pursued a PhD, but I can promise you that any hope of me... Uh, you know, entertaining that route. Finishing it should would, not have to do, uh, do anything if, with if, the nipples. If my nipples were bleeding, I would not be <laughs> entering well, I mean, a doctoral program. You, that is crazy, though. Um, I actually kind of take the opposite, the the opposite approach. I think that it uh, it's a lot. Anything worth doing is worth doing pain free. <laughs> I I think it's more impressive to complete a a PhD. Um, but why is it? Because okay, well, I'll give you an example. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you exactly it's, it's why. Now I'm going to tell you exactly rigorous. why. No, because it can be really painful. Okay. Um, when I got my master's degree, I'm going to tell you a time that I was in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. um, I This is my second master's degree, right? right? I got my master's degree in history, right. started teaching during the daytime, working at nights, going to soccer games. My kids are like, walking, your kid's age now, four or five years old. Walking both ways, right, barefoot. Uh, oh, no, no. I was doing this for real, right? I was, I working, I was working four nights a week. And I would sleep, I would, I would get off work, get home at 8 o'clock because we're an hour away, mm -hmm. get home at 8 o'clock in the morning, sleep till 10. Sure. Uh, I'd, I'd have classes from 11 to 2, 
I would go back home, sleep from like 2.30 mm-hmm. to 4.30, and I would go to work. Sounds like a lot of reading, preparing, writing, and yeah, I, going I, to class. Well, these were new classes, too. Mm-hmm. I just started teaching. So and on top of that, you were working. And going to school and yeah, being yeah, a father. Yeah. I mean, okay, I, okay. I was I was almost in tears sometimes. Yeah. Sounds sometime. painful. Sounds busy. So, you know, I go through the full year. Um, coming up, I'm writing my thesis mm-hmm. for my political science uh, capstone, and I... Uh, Oh, this is this is actually painful to talk about. I was up late. Um, I got off work. I worked on it for many, many hours. It was due like that week, and my first draft was supposed to be sent to my advisor. Um, I was finishing it up the next night. I did like a twenty-four hour thing. I was so tired. I just went to bed. Mm. I saved it to my thumb drive, which had all of my. Um, all of my PowerPoints for class on it, saved it to that thumb drive, didn't save it directly to the desktop, took that thing out there, went to school. Mm. A student came up to me after class, and I had, like, probably, the whole thing was 98 pages. I had, like, 40 that I had not saved. Right. And the student bumped into the computer, and I heard the thumb drive go, no way. And was this thing made out of ceramics? No, it was a um, cheap plastic. You could just hear it. No, you you heard the short circuit. Oh, she, it she, didn't fall out. No, of no, here. it didn't fall out. Yeah. She bumped it further into the oh, computer. Oh my gosh, and the, there's no way. I uh, I actually I drove all over trying to get it. Uh, you know, find somewhere that fixed specialized, it. Yeah. Right? Uh, I I won't lie to you. I was I, I actually cried. I actually yeah. cried. I'm like I can't do this. I can't make up yeah. another forty pages. Yeah. Um. And I just remember being at a point where I'm just like, I, I can't, I can't yeah. keep working like this. And I could not imagine mm. doing that for a dissertation, defending sure. it, going through all of it. I mean, well, most people don't, it, right? It's that's, so that's a, difficult, that's an accident. man. That's it's a little so, different. No, that's, that's an accident, but the entire process was exhausting, exhausting when sure. I look back at it. And I think but, if getting a PhD, man, that is... But you know what? This is interesting that you say all these things. That that whole experience, let's say it lasts a year or two for most people's masters, year to three, um, right? No matter how uh, how much you hated it, it's going to come to an end. No matter how busy, it's going to come to an end. Yeah. So you, so yours is you're on the backside of it now. You finished right. it. You've gotten a job. Let me ask you, what do you do for work? I do what you do. Yeah. I educate young minds. Uh, and what do you do to prepare? Uh, I. You know, research. I read, write. I read, I write. Talk to others. Absolutely. Watch films, conferences. Let me ask you this. Do you have any other jobs outside of teaching? Yeah, yeah. I Uber, I umpire. Um, Do you still have to um, take care of kids or family? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is it easier now or are there demands? Are there... Their is needs. it easier? I wouldn't say it's easier. Are their needs it's just different. Different, yeah, yeah. Different. Um, is it painful to uh, have to spend all this money and all this time doing all these things? Uh, I wouldn't say so. No, I enjoy it. It seems like it. No, I enjoy it. It seems painful. Does as, it? As I'm looking at you, I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, buying two cars for my daughters that are now ah, getting ready I to drive. It. I and, enjoy that. And, and doing all these extra jobs. And how many classes are you teaching? Uh, unfortunately, only six. <laughs> ah, okay. And how many were you taking in grad school? More than that? Uh, I mean, for the cumulative for the total semester, of my... Yeah. No, no, uh, for the semester. Uh, I was taking two at a time. Two at a time. Two so at you're a time. Now, now you're doing six at a time. Yeah. Um, You still married? Yeah, still yeah, married. Yeah, Same yeah. woman. Isn't that something? There's no pain. So, so interestingly, when you describe graduate school being painful and laborious and terrible, I don't know if I believe that because 
it sounds to me like you're doing graduate school plus right now. And you've been doing it how long? Yeah, but you know. How long have you been doing it outside of grad school? I've been doing it for 12 years. 12 years. So you've been doing this at least six times as long as you were in grad school. Yeah. And you're working just as hard now, if not harder. But you have a different perspective. You're thinking about it differently, aren't you? Uh, Yeah, I suppose. You're saying, I "I like it. I expect it. I control it. I get to decide. Well, that's what it is. It's the ability to control it. So here's the thing. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't be impressed with people that finished the PhD. Maybe we shouldn't be impressed with people that finished Ironman because those are the kinds of people that do those kinds of things. Maybe we would be impressed if we just grabbed some average person off the street and put them in a PhD program and they finished it. Or an average person like myself and put them in an Ironman and I finished it. Then you should be impressed. But people that train for these things, people that view these things so positively to begin with, I mean, well, I guess that sort of brings me to another point or another question is, do we grow from pain? Like, do do I put myself through that rigor? Do Ironman people put because we know that we are going to be better for it? Are we better because of the pain that we uh, suffer? Yeah. So this idea that, you know, no pain, no, no pain, gain. No gain yeah. right? Do we grow and from that, it? That, uh, you know, pain or hard or let me, work. Let me put it this way. A, fr- a friend of mine once told me that nobody ever goes to church or to a synagogue or to a temple because they're on a big winning streak and things are just aces, mm. right? I mean, do we grow um, spiritually, emotionally, maybe physically through the pain that we endure? Is that Look, a benefit? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know. Well, what's, I, I, Spiritually have speaking, you ever been I'm not in, a spiritual have person. Have you ever been in pain? Oh, my God, yes. Well, give me a time when you were in physical pain or emotional pain and then let's talk about what happened after. Well, I used to lift weights, and I do know I would lift until exhaustion. And then shortly after that, I wouldn't be able to lift my arms over my head, or I wouldn't be able to bend at the knees very well. And if I did, I would kind of collapse. Um, I was sore for a couple of days, and it was terrible. But I remember kind of giggling to myself and bragging to other people about how much pain I was in. And when they would ask, why, why are you in so much pain? You look to be in pretty good shape. I would say, oh, I worked out really hard yesterday. Um, you so would tell that to a girl. I would tell that to <laughs> anyone that to who would listen. Woman. I'd tell it to anyone who would listen. And um, But you would so, emphasize that you worked out yesterday. Well, yeah, of course. To a woman, and, and, and grabbing and, and your honest, muscle. And oh. honestly, I, I do believe, I'm not a kinesiologist or a physiologist or an exercise scientist even, but I do believe that I got um, in better shape, at least aesthetically. I believe that people could notice. I know I did that my muscles were getting bigger, that I was getting more definition. Um, when I would take my shirt off, people would ooh and ah a lot more than they wow. do now. Actually, they probably ooh and ah more now and say wow now than they did then, <laughs> only because they probably can't believe that I can stand upright with a belly this big. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, so I know I'm assuming physically you do grow from putting your muscles in pain. Now, does your brain or your... Do you write better poetry? If you're in pain. Look, I asked a guest this question, I believe. I said, you know, um, to my my guest um, from California, the the comic, right, psychologist, comic, Kelly Spillman. I said, Kelly, do you believe that going through something in life makes you a better comic? Do you think you're funnier now having been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, uh, colon cancers? Excuse me. And she said, yeah, I think most comics uh, are funny 
in insofar as they've gone through something. A lot That's of interesting because I read somewhere that a lot of comics are depressives. Mm-hmm. Alcoholics. Um, alcoholics. Like you think about John Mulaney, right? Yeah, yeah. Been in recovery several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's an interesting Now of course I don't know if this is chicken or the egg. I didn't ask her that question, but you know, are you already an alcoholic before you take up comedy? Or do you become an alcoholic as a comedian? Uh, it seems to me that uh, perhaps if you aren't already an alcoholic playing in those clubs at 12, 1, 2 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it might be hard. To, it might be hard to sort of stay away the sauce. from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And staying up that late, you might have to like take a little something to give you a pep every now and then. Although yeah, I mean, she, I, she never, she never um, uh, spoke to that. I, I certainly think we can grow from pain. I'm not sure it's a pre- uh, prerequisite. And I'm not sure you automatically grow from pain. Two of the most emotionally painful things that I've experienced have just been in the last two years. And I'm really not sure that you grew I'm from better it. for it. Um, well, see, that's different. Growing and better are two different things. Like, I think you can grow in ways that don't make you better. And I think you can not grow in ways and you still be a pretty good person. I mean, I mean you know, when I put my name forward in 2022 mm-hmm. uh, for re-election to the board and you know, got waxed, came in last. Yeah, got I mean, wiped out. Yeah, that you came in the place that made all the other places <laughs> possible, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean that hurts. That sure. you know to put your name out there and have and to be you know so thoroughly rejected by uh, your which again your, your, that's perception. Well, I mean that's you know I I think if if you did it, that's how you'd feel. Maybe I but, mean that's but, just how uh, you feel, I didn't right? do it, and I'm looking at it maybe a little differently because I, th- sure, I think sure. I don't think winning and losing is a zero sum game. No, not winning and losing, but. Being rejected by your neighbors. I don't think being rejected is a zero-sum game. Here's, here's why. You, you, you lost a political race long before you lost this last one. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, 2016. There you go. 2016. I Me remember and Hillary. Help, I remember helping, <laughs> helping you campaign, and you lost um, the race for what, county, county commissioner? commissioner yeah. County commissioner. Yeah. To sit on the county That one did not hurt nearly as bad. Well, of course not, because you hadn't won before that, right? And I had no expectation of winning. You weren't an incumbent, winning. right. So— but I do remember you, it stung a little bit after you lost. Yeah, you're like, man, yeah, you know, I, I got only so many votes. I came in fifth or fourth or third or whatever it was. You didn't come in first. It was last again. Was it really? <laughs> yeah, it was oh, last. I, it was okay. six. I wasn't going to say. All right, so you come in six yeah. out of six. And one way of looking at it is, man, I am the ultimate loser. I'm the worst loser. I come in six. But I, do you remember what I told you? I, I don't offhand. Yeah, we were walking down the hall and I said, man, you got 20,000 people to vote for you. And you're like, what? I was like, did you look at your numbers? You're like, ah, oh, I just came in six. Ah. I was like, no, no, but you got 20,000 people to vote for you. I was like, I've never had 20,000 people do anything for me. Like, I can only get like six likes on a Facebook um, post. I can only get like maybe 100 listeners total in a month. So you're for my saying podcast. that and maybe pain is just a matter of perception. Well, absolutely. So likewise, do you know how many people voted for you this last time you lost the uh, election? Yeah, I know how many people I'm voted for I'm guessing it me. was thousands. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, I got more votes. I think I got more votes the fir- the second time than I did the first time. There you go. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. got more votes the second time and lost than you got the first time. Yes. And yet the second time was obviously a butt whipping, but the first time, there was this probably euphoria and joy of being a winner. Isn't yeah, that something? There was, yeah. Um, we just don't always measure, hardly ever do we measure things consistently, including pain. We don't we don't measure it consistently because I don't think it is one thing. Well, I mean, and you know, that sort of brings me to another a 
insane fascination, mm-hmm. right? Um, why is it that there is such a close connection? You know, mm-hmm. there's a close connection between winning and losing, right? Right. The votes are the same. Sure. Why is it when it comes to physical pain? Is why is there a close connection between um, pain and pleasure? And we should probably take a break before you answer that and put out a TV MA or radio MA warning for our younger listeners, because I think uh, we need to talk about a little uh, uh, masochism and some interesting ways in which people couple pain and pleasure. Let's do that. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're joining us, we're talking about pain. Hey, Jay, doesn't it hurt that we don't yet have a an actual commercial break to cut to. Not really. I mean, I think... Won't it be sweet when we actually fun. have I don't a, know. Uh, it's kind of fun telling people on these forums where I post uh, a lot of these um, podcasts that we're doing this as a passion project. And intellectual you don't, and you don't, Yeah, and you don't have to worry about being solicited for money, and you don't have to worry about listening to those pesky ads that may or may not actually relate to your life, that we are doing this just for pure like listening pleasure, pure intellectual joy. Give people a chance yeah. to listen to now, something. Now, I'm not going to say that we'll never, ever not have ads because we got to probably reimburse ourselves every now and then for some of the things we have to buy to keep this keep this uh, podcast going. Obviously, we've got to pay for um, our memberships to these organizations that we're part of, um, specifically our uh, account Podbean that hosts our podcast. They don't do that for free, and that account um, will come due at the end of the year. We've been doing this about six months, and uh, yeah, without without some kind of, I guess, help, assistance, it's going to get harder and harder to do it. But, you know, speaking We're of pain, speaking that, of pain yeah. We're away from I mean, that, yeah. a little bit of pain, um, you know, maybe maybe this is is fun. Specifically because uh, it's a sacrifice. It takes a little time and energy and a little money to do it. You know, I, I dropped $440 a couple of weeks ago on this new mic, and um, that sounds was painful. Great. It was sounds painful great. financially. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I, maybe it's placebo. I feel like it sounds better. It does. Only a couple of people have told me it sounds better, um, you and me. But um, <laughs> I still think it sounds better. But, yeah. Well, look. We, we were saying that Podcast mindset, MA. Yeah, Podcast mindset, MA. Mindset matters. Yeah. Right? Pain is evolutionarily based. We shouldn't be surprised by the fact that pain is um, important to us. Uh, that it that it you know is is intimately tied to our survivability. We, we shouldn't be surprised by that. So you you teach a class on human sexuality. I do. And do you cover um, be, uh, being a S and M? Yeah, I mean we talk about atypical sexual behavior or aberrant you know sexual behaviors. W- what is going on in and I'm not talking about like the the emotional side, why right, people right, do. Right, right. I'm talking about physically. How can I be whipped, beaten, and be turned on and feel and, pleasure? And it, how is that pleasurable? Well, can you explain that? Yeah, I think I'm neurochemically. Might, I might be able to try. Um, so talk to me like I'm not a psychologist. Okay. Uh, in the '80s, professor at UCLA starts to um, investigate. 
um, where pain is coming from and, and how it's modulated in the brains of mice, right? And he finds out that um, mice respond to pain differently based upon the kinds of things you do to their brains. Um, they found specific locations in the brains that seem to be able to turn pain perception up and down. Okay. And so, obviously, if you give mice a, a particular um, pain blocker, a pharmaceutical blocker, it will allow them to endure more pain. But interestingly enough, if you give them something environmentally stimulating, it does the same thing, for instance. I mean, uh, have you ever heard, and, and for my listeners, have you guys ever heard that some people eat to reduce the pain? Uh, like the emotional pain? Sure. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, and what you're asking about is, you know, sex and pain relief, perhaps. Okay. Well, with so the, with the so mice, with the mice, um, these researchers would give uh, rat chow to some of them. Mm -hmm. and would give chocolate biscuits to others. Mm -hmm. All the while they were eating, they were sitting on these little hot plates that were getting increasingly hotter on their little feet. Mm -hmm. Now, it turns out that the mice who were fed the rat chow, just your run-of-the-mill grub, yeah. they could endure the hot plate for about four seconds before they had to jump off. What do you think happened with the genetically identical mice who had learned to expect they were going to get chocolate biscuits? They would stay longer. They stayed they twice the party as longer. long. They stayed twice as long. Isn't that something? Yeah. yeah. Now, it couldn't have been the food itself that was doing it, but, but the expectation that I'm going to get chocolate. I can stay here. I'm going to get chocolate in my, in my, um, my so mouth. So if you expect something positive at the end if of you, the pain, uh, the pain is somehow... The effect of the pain, at least, is lessened. Yeah, yeah, isn't that something? And again, this kind of goes against this classic model of pain. That pain is caused by a stimulus that excites pain receptors, and these pain receptors, in turn, uh, activate corresponding brain areas, right? But again, yeah, but there's got to be a limit. There's got to be some point where, no matter what you think, no matter what you expect, you are going to experience, experience pain. serious pain. Well, no. is there like a pain no. threshold? No. Really? No, because well, try falling off a roof and breaking your hip. Well, tr tr falling off a roof high enough, you'll just die. So well, you'll never experience any pain. Depends on how you land. Well, here, here's the thing I would say. Um, we know that pain is fundamentally controlled by the brain in specific areas, specific pathways, right? We know that we can gate or control the... Um, well, the brain and the, the nervous system, right? I well, mean, the nervous system is the brain, right? Right, but I'm saying but, it's the... Um, the, ner the nerves don't connected. matter so much. The, the receptors in your skin, for instance, don't matter nearly as much as the receptors in the brain. That pick it up at the other right. end. Right. Oh, interesting. Which is interesting, which is why pain medicines work, which is also why... So pain medicines the target belief, the, the brain, not the receptors right. that are picking up that's the pain? That's right, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. In fact, um, when you are thinking about getting chocolate... You are mediating chocolate. future pain by stimulating your brain. And also, sex, if I could. Well, we're on, uh, we're on po it's podcast sure. MA, so yeah. you're good to go, buddy. Okay, so sex. We know that 
if someone squeezes your genitals right now. That sounds painful. You are going <laughs> to squeal or yell or maybe punch. Yeah, that sounds however, about right. Kick, bite, whatever however, it takes to get somebody off my if genitals. During, however, if during sex your partner says, I'm going to squeeze you. Yeah, I'm still a no. I'm a hard no. You can be a hard no, but I'm going to tell you something. The way people interpret pain during sex is very, very different. Well, I'm going to tell you that when you were speaking about that act, I involuntarily crossed my legs. That sounds terrible. Well, that sounds terrible. And I can take another. But this is really something that this is something people experience. Not just a weird aberrant thing. Okay. This is something that affects normal people. This is something that affects lots of people. Um, Again, another example, maybe not as not as outrageous, seemingly outrageous as squeezing the genitals. I want you to think about having sex in an odd position. Okay. Um, You may not even recognize you're in an odd position until 10, 15, or however long it goes on. Until after. Minutes later. Yeah, okay. Why? Only then do you sort of take note that, oh my God, you know, my left leg has been, you know, over here. And you'll oftentimes... You know, notice you've got a Charlie horse, or you you feel like you've sprained something, or you've pulled a muscle, and and the interesting thing is, it's you probably have been getting signals to your brain. But is this the mice, or is this the overwhelming need to um, to reproduce, the biological need, the imperative to reproduce? What's how, well, look, how can we how can we differentiate? You don't need to do gymnastics to reproduce. Okay. Right. In fact, in most animals, reproduction um, initiated by sex acts takes seconds. Most animals take seconds. I'm talking about marathon type sex that includes these weird contortions that average people get into. Average people. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, hey, each their own, man. We're not here to. Likewise, you know, sex itself might reduce um, pain associated with. With other kinds of things, like people who say they have a headache, a lot of yeah. you know that that's an yeah. old joke. You have a headache, so you don't have to have sex. But well, it actually could, helps. But you, yeah, you could also yeah, say true. there is some evidence to suggest that after sex, your headache has subsided. I've also away. I've also heard that um, it's one of the best uh, remedies, home remedies for a, a hangover. You, know, you wake up, you've had too much to drink. Uh, yeah, perhaps. You know, sex makes you feel better. Stomach ache. Now, again, this doesn't necessarily connect with S&M completely, right? S&M being sadism and masochism. Right, right, yeah. Um, I will say that, you know, sadism and masochism work best and are most pleasurable. I know that might sound oxymoronic. How can sadism and masochism be pleasurable? Because sadists are hurting someone or humiliating them, and then masochists are asking to be humiliated or hurt. How how in the world can either one of them be getting pleasure uh, unless one of them's a psychopath? But no, the answer is in S&M culture, and I I studied this a little bit in grad school, believe it or not, um, it turns out that both sadists and masochists need to feel like they have some level of control, right? Interesting. They don't just find strangers and start beating on each other and humiliating each other. 
Right. In fact, um, there's contracts involved. There's long relationships involved. There's there's you know reassurances to one another. Safe words. Right. There's all sorts involved. of stuff. Yeah, sure, and, sure. and you know, oftentimes from the outside looking in, we think, oh, the the masochist has got it bad. Like, how can they? How can they get pleasure out of it? Like they're being controlled. What right. is, but no, it's actually the opposite. The masochist is in quite a bit of control because they're the ones that can stop it with the safe word. Right. That right. makes sense. They're the ones that are actually selecting the sadist. They don't just take anyone. Right. Um, I was asking students a long time ago, you know, um, what do you think the top fantasies for men and women are? And they were surprised to learn that one of women's top fantasies is being raped. Now, I know I might get in trouble on this podcast by saying that, but let me qualify that. When I asked, why do you think women, average women, would have that fantasy? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's weird. And I was like, and do you think it's good for everybody to know that? And they're like, well, no, that might make men think that it's okay to rape women. And here's the answer to it. When women are thinking about a rape fantasy, they're not actually thinking about being raped by someone they don't know. Mm -hmm. What they basically mean is, under a specific set of circumstances, in my mind, I'm fantasizing about the person I want to be with taking control of me. But the minute, the minute you're fantasizing about someone taking control of you, you are literally taking control of the of situation. It. Yeah, yeah, right. That makes sense. Right. So it's like, yeah, I'm I'm not as afraid to die if I'm thinking about and planning my death. Right. Uh, in yeah. Some like, ways, what are they going to say in at some my ways, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but in some ways, yeah. suicide gives you control. Like, like sure it does. Like nothing else. Yeah. That's um, that's. And hopefully, true. in the in the coming uh, months, we can we can get a uh, expert in here, Jesse Baring, uh, professor of psychology from um, Auckland, New Zealand, to come in and and talk about suicide. He's written That'd be a good one. extensively on that. That'd be a good one. So, are there people who actually? I mean, obviously, as we've just covered. There are people who uh, take pleasure from their own pain. They like to be close to pain. They enjoy pain. There are yeah. people who ignore pain for a payoff. There are rats who certainly do that. Are there people who take pleasure from the pain of others? And you mentioned psychopaths. I'm not just talking about psychopaths. I don't know that psychopaths necessarily take pleasure from other people's pain. They, um, they, I don't, they I just do take pleasure care. from inflicting pain. Care. No, I don't think they care. No. I think a psychopath is more interested in manipulating and exploiting you. And so, well, what if, about like, if a serial killer? In there's a sexual component to almost every serial murder I've ever heard of. I don't know. I don't know. I that mean, might just be television. I, I I'm not familiar with the sexual component of all serial killers. There's certainly some sexual sadist but they are like jack the ripper they're they're much more ted uncommon. bundy they're right much more i mean uncommon. yeah i'm not even sure if i'd call bundy a sexual sadist i'm not sure that he was raping um all the women he killed i'm not sure but I'm are not, there people who forget all sure. that stuff though. are there people who take pleasure from watching other people suffer yeah um like um let's talk about jim jordan um <laughs> the not speaker of the house yeah. as of friday do you take pleasure in watching him get like, fewer and fewer votes i, 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 I don't. get pleasure from watching him get fewer and fewer votes and humiliating him i don't i really I do. don't I and, do. I, and i don't because i know now you know that's not true i'm not being totally honest but, i take some pleasure in you know, I don't think Jim Jordan's a, a really good person, so I take pleasure no. in watching him. Yes, I, I enjoy his humiliation. I would rather not see it because I know how bad it is for the mm -hmm, country. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, I guess I will have to be honest and admit yeah, you that take a little this is a little bit funny. Well, it's also safer. I can't hurt a politician, right? I go to jail for planning to hurt a politician. Yes. I can't even write him an email that says you suck because he probably won't open it. So the next best thing for somebody that I'm well, for the love of God, with, don't send people voicemails. Yeah, it's crazy. What I'm if, I'm if I'm upset with a politician, I guess the next best thing is to see them like lose, lose a an election. Losing is lose one support. thing, but to like lose this way, it's, it's. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, he can, he can end it if he wanted <laughs> he to, right? End Couldn't it. he, he could, end it? He could so, all. He could, so the he could all is, be over. Is he just glutton? He could all be is he over. glutton? Is he somehow a mascus himself? Is he controlling this vote? Is he telling people that he that want to vote for him? Hey, don't vote for me, so I'll get less I and doubt less. It. I doubt so people it. will feel sorry for me. I mean, I think there probably are some people who get off, so to speak, off of other people. Feeling yeah, sorry we don't mean sexually. Getting... I'm just saying, like, and just enjoy it, right? Like, yeah. like uh, is there somebody right now? And you don't have to name mm -hmm. names. In fact, you know what? Let's go a little bit further here. Let's be explicit. Don't name names. Yeah. Is there somebody right now that you would? Uh, Ha you would see them fall or really far or, right. or just humiliate themselves and you would be like oh yes like you would just enjoy watching their demise yeah but i know that that's probably just my own immaturity and insecurity and tiny bit of narcissism i don't know if that's evolutionarily beneficial which is kind of where I always go when I'm thinking about things in life. Just desserts, buddy. Just yeah. desserts. Um, I can't even think about. I can't even think whether or not there'd be an evolutionary benefit to engaging in and being inspired by or feeling good by Schadenfreude, right? That German term for maybe really it's just, maybe it's just celebrating funny. the misery of like, others. I mean, you remember the show America's Funniest Home Videos? Oh yeah, yeah. I think we've talked about that before. And it was all just people getting, getting hit, in, hit the, in the balls. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, okay, why? Usually from kids why? or a dog or some other animal jumping into them. And and people couldn't stop laughing. No. Or, or wait a minute, I got another one. Jackass. Jackass like, is another one. Yeah. And, and I will admit, and maybe it is like just me being a, a five-year-old boy, or maybe the five-year-old boy mm -hmm. within all of us. Some of that is hysterical. Like, you see the part, <laughs> see the one where they play a trumpet to it's a can music tame the wild beast, and they play a trumpet to a ram, and the ram Charges. just is like you mother, and yeah. keeps. That is just comedic genius. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. It is, but it's it's also why do we enjoy like or watching the watching somebody get like tased yeah, or shot we, in the stomach with a beanbag? Watching why? people suffer. I, what I don't is know. that? I don't know. You know, we're sick puppies. Well, I'll tell you what. I accidentally clicked on a video on social media a couple of days ago, and um, I knew that it was allegedly real, and it was of two guys in masks that had walked into a convenience store. And they're just standing there. It doesn't appear as though they have any weapons. They're just kind of standing there with a the mask on. And the guy behind That's creepy. The, the guy behind the counter, you know, it's all on security tape, uh, security um, a video. You can hear the guy behind the counter say, "What are you guys doing? What do you want? What are you here for?" And you don't really hear the the guys in the mask say much, if anything. And then the the guy behind the counter says again, "Well, look." Um, I need my change. And he steps away from the register and says, take whatever you want, but I need to leave the change. He goes, I need this change. And when he comes back into the picture, he just grabs one of the guys who has stepped over the counter and started taking the money out of the register. He grabs him, and you can see him stabbing him over and over and over. Now, it's 
it's not clear because whoever put the video online has kind of um, graded out where he's being stabbed. But you hear the guy who's being stabbed going, okay, okay, you got me. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dying. And I almost lost it, man. But here were two guys that were coming in to rob. Perhaps they were going to hurt the guy behind the counter. Mm-hmm. The guy behind the counter, I mean, for we, we don't have any reason to believe he owned the place or anything. He looked to be like 20 years old himself. And he just started stabbing another kid with a mask on. And the kid's like, all right, mercy. I, you got me. I'm dying now. I'm dead. And, I mean, it, it really touched me in a way that I don't know that I've ever felt that kind of empathy ever in my life. Strange. It was so strange. Strange. You know? I've never felt that empathy in a movie. Well, that that's another... I don't know why. That's another aspect So of here's it. an example, though, Nelson, of when I probably should have enjoyed it. Like, a lot of people's comments were, you know, play stupid games, get stupid rewards, or that's that's what you get. Be glad that, you know, be glad he had a, a knife. But I didn't feel any sense of... Yeah, way to go. Have uh, you ever heard uh I'm sure you have. Have you talk to me about empaths? People mm. who literally share other people's pain yeah. and then they really feel other people's well, sorrow. Well, look, I think Is that, that emotional may- intelligence or no, I don't know emotional sensitivity or is that again, something legitimate? Can can you feel another per- I mean, yeah, forget, instead yeah. of laughing at it, can you have the opposite effect? Can 100%. you feel another person's yeah, pain? Yeah, yeah, you can wow. you can experience it. I mean, yeah, you can genuinely put yourself in other people's shoes to the point where you feel it. Look, have you ever seen someone take a bite of something that you really wanted to eat and your mouth salivates? Yes. Uh, have you ever seen someone hugging and you could almost feel that hug yourself? Yes. Um, or someone taking a drink of something and... I think every British child has had that experience. <laughs> so we, we believe that there are specific um, areas of the brain and specific brain cells that make this mirroring process possible. And we believe that that's highly evolved in, in at least mammals to give... Um, many species that that ability to be social, right? right? Because I don't know how good of a social animal you could be, generally speaking, if you couldn't sort of read the mind of someone else, if you couldn't empathize in some way. Because I mean, so much of our behavior, our communication, our decision making depends upon how we feel about others how others think we feel about them. Like there's so much that that rides on reading people accurately. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, even if you don't feel for somebody else, it's probably best for you to try to fake it if you want to get something out of someone. Yeah, I mean, sure. psychopaths will do that oftentimes, right? They'll feign interest in. They'll... They're yeah, I'm talking about more genuine. I'm talking about genuine. Yeah, yeah. Empathy, but genuine, genuine empathy probably empaths. comes from. We're, we're certain it comes from brain areas, and and we believe that it's possible that some children are born with neurological um, differences that make it hard for them to empathize with others. Right? If you're on the autistic spectrum, right? I was gonna say, it's it, might ma- it, it appears as though it's harder for the average kid to empathize with someone. Right? Right. They and and perhaps it's because. Uh, there's something different going on in their brain than it is in the average person. I'm not saying that they're not sweet kids and smart and that they don't feel anything. It's just it doesn't appear as though they're 
as capable Told of reading the minds sure, of others. Sure. They they have what Simon Baron Cohen calls mind blindness. Yeah, I'm an interesting term. Yeah. So look, um, as we're moving toward the end of this, I had a couple other questions for you sure. that uh, I was curious about. There's always been a meme that stuck with me. It was uh, it was it, it talked about uh, a man with a cold, mm. and you know, dude sitting there laying in bed under the covers. Just, Oh my God, I'm so sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it said a woman on chemo, and she had like two kids under her arms running around the grocery store. Like, right. um, and I was, I it made me wonder, piqued my interest. First of all, uh, I don't know how are you when you are you, are you a baby? Are you a sick I'm a baby? baby? I'm a sick baby. Are you baby. a sick baby? Yeah, I'm a sick baby. I think that's true of a lot of men. I think I'm a sick baby. Um, my threshold, my tolerance for pain is is do, do, very minimal. Is there a tolerance? Differential yeah, between there, men and is women. There a pain tolerance. Is yeah. there a pain tolerance between men and women? I don't know. I mean, I guess perhaps there should be. I mean, yeah, wim- we don't have wim- to give birth. Women are going to give birth. That's what my son says at age six. He's like, man, I'm so glad I'm not a girl. And amen to that. And I, I have to ask him every time, what do you mean? What, what, wh- why? And he goes, oh, because I don't want to have to have a baby out of my body. And I'm like, well, first of all, you don't have to have a baby out of your body, even if you're a girl. That's true. He's like, yeah, but you got to be a girl to have a baby out of your body. I'm like, all right, I get it, I get it. Yeah, I, I was wondering. So there's no, there's no difference that you know uh, yeah, of between I, I men and know. women in I terms of how they experience pain. No, I don't know. I mean, I'm not familiar with with any research on that. I mean, and again, well, I mean, it, and it could be the reproductive or biological be, yeah, imperative of yeah. just like, I mean, and, and maybe uh, a higher pain tolerance is connected to. Um, childbirth in particular i don't know yeah Um, because i know i couldn't do it but at the same time you know you also have um women release differentially higher amounts of a neuropeptide called oxytocin and they release that at differentially higher rates i thought we said no latin in (laughs) in really in three specific moments of their life right okay and you can probably guess what they are uh, birth, death, and childbirth? Mm, close. So when they are birthing a child vaginally, their brains are producing loads of oxytocin. When they are having orgasm, their brain produces loads of oxytocin. And when they're breastfeeding, their brain produces loads of oxytocin. Oh, I didn't know that. And so oxytocin is that that peptide hormone known as the feel-good hormone, right? Okay. It's also an attachment hormone. It makes you closer to whomever you're with when that hormone's being released. So Obviously, you'd want to have a lot of that hormone flooding the brain whenever you're breastfeeding, giving vaginal childbirth, or orgasming. In fact, I tell my students yeah, sometimes, be careful about who you have sex with for the first time. Be careful about who you have sex with whenever because <clears throat> the release of a hormone called oxytocin during orgasm in particular makes you feel artificially feel bonded or attached to that person. So it might really? it might create for you this impression that that person loves you or is closer to you than they really are. All right. Um, and I think that's happening in both men and women's brains, although I, I believe there's some evidence to suggest that there's more oxytocin being released in women's brain during orgasm than in men's. Now, certainly sure. oxytocin is being released at really high levels, again, during vaginal childbirth and breastfeeding. And it makes sense. I mean... Sure, that's, absolutely. There's a lot of pain associated with breastfeeding uh, and a I, lot of pain associated with vaginal childbirth. If if we didn't have some way of mitigating or turning the volume down on that pain... or We a, wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it that's twice, right. that's for that's sure. Right. My wife, oh my gosh, man, the cracked nipples alone. 
had to go yeah. and get this magic cream for her at the compounding pharmacy called, I think it was called Magic Cream. Did it work? Um, it worked well enough for her to keep doing it. But I think what worked the best was the fact that, man, I'd walk in there on her. My daughter's son would be breastfeeding in the in the chair. She'd be rocking. And my wife would be asleep with her mouth open drooling. And my kid would be asleep. And it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you wake my wife up, and she would be in such pain, her nipples. But when he was sucking um, or suckling, uh, she was releasing oxytocin, and it would often put her to sleep and him. Yeah, you, you sort cool. of touched on that earlier. I do think yeah. that any pain with purpose is pain that can be managed and handled in just a, a very different way. Yeah. I'm thinking, so is I, I want to get your... So is it just a matter of uh, mindset? Can, could we, sure, in I fact, to an reduce extent. pain... If we simply engage more people in things like psychotherapy, perhaps, or, you know? or or just you know at periods of obvious understanding. So, how many times have you heard one of our colleagues come mm. to the office and you know their mom has Alzheimer's yeah. and they've been suffering and suffering, and there is a sadness to be sure when the time comes when that ailing and, and sick and dependent parent right. passes on, but. You know, I think it in many ways is, is going to be so much less painful than if your your parent or, you know, a loved one just has a sudden heart attack. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, one, you know, there, there's an understanding that, yes, this pain um, is horrible for me, but it comes, you know, at, you know, at, at a moment of relief. Mm, um, yeah, sure. There, I'm thinking of some of the times where I've been in the most pain. I want to get your your most painful physical mm -hmm. experience because I'm betting it has absolutely no payoff whatsoever. <laughs> but what, what is your most painful physical experience? Um, my, well, my most painful experience was not physical at all. Okay. What was um, it? It's, you know, the most painful experience was the death of several of my loved ones. First, first, and probably most painful one was my great-grandmother, who I loved very much. She was the apple of my eye. I was 11 years old, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And I couldn't stop touching her and trying to hug her in the casket, man. It's, it's weird um, talking about it now. Um, and then, of course, the pain of losing... Um, the, the pain of losing an unborn child. Yeah. Um, my wife and I had a miscarriage, and I don't think she would mind me mentioning that. Um, she's talked about it publicly. That was a pain like I'd never felt either. We're we're in, you know, the the office having our second, maybe third ultrasound, and everything had been going well. We had already had one child. Cece was a year and a half, and we we're in the doctor's office. And the son sonographer, she um, just kind of goes pale. And, wow, man! And we're like, what, 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 what? And she's like, let me go get the doctor real quick. I, I, he'll be right in. And just leaves us there. And Whitney and I looked at each other, and we just start crying. I mean, Could, Did you know? I mean, because you probably didn't hear a heartbeat, obviously. So did right, you know something it. was wrong? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Jeez. so it's terrible when you, you know, your kid's eight or nine weeks old, and everything's been going fine. Um, and then, of course, the death of my mom and my grandpa. Shortly after that, like, it, it was... These are tough moments. Now, in terms of physical pain, 
I definitely have been in lots of physical pain throughout my life, but nothing, not a migraine, not, um, you know, an infection. It was pleurisy. Um, I'm not even sure what pleurisy is. All I can tell you is what it was, is that? It was never this heard incredible that. pain in my chest that just hurt and burned and felt like someone this was, is a thing i never yeah, heard of this. someone was pulling out parts of my chest and it lasted for maybe 10 or 11 days okay and i can just simply say this it hurt when i breathed it hurt when i moved my body it hurt when i tried to lay down it hurt no matter what i did and i had to cough and that hurt as well Ooh. and so Whitney and I, she took me to the doctor. I couldn't drive. She took me to the doctor, and um, I asked him, I was like, what is this? What is this? And I would get these spasms where I couldn't even breathe and couldn't talk, and the pain was just excruciating, literally just nonstop, ebbing and flowing all day. And he said, I think it's pleurisy. And I said, what is that? I said, I've had some pain, man, but never anything like this. Toothache gouty arthritis Ooh. in my leg, nothing like this. He goes, no. He said, uh, people kill themselves when they're in this kind of pain. And I said, man, I have to say, I've never really thought about killing myself in my life. But I told my wife to hide all the knives mm. because I want to end it. How long did it 11 last? days, 11 days. He gave me Did oxy. it get better? Is it? No. No? Listen to me. He gave me oxy, mm -hmm. and that didn't cut through it. I was at home scratching myself. I was itching so bad. And the pain was still there. Oxy would not stop that pain. Mm. And I asked him, I was like, how long does this last? He goes, some people have it for months. And I said, I will kill myself. Oof. You better send me to a psychiatric facility or something. He goes, well, we're going to assume it's not going to last that long. Uh, so, yeah, it only lasted uh, about 10 days, 11 days. Thank God. By the way, by the how way, did it, I know how to spell I must have heard this before because I actually knew how to spell way, it. By the way, it went away. It went away on its own. Like it, it went away as fast as it came. So it came and then it just stopped. one night and like went hiccups. away 10, 10. Yeah. 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 But like bad. But, no, but I don't have, and, and it's what's scary is I have no idea what brought it on or what got rid of it. So I'll, I'll read it. It says pleurisy is also known as pleuritis. It is the inflammation of the membranes that surround the lungs and line the chest cavity. All right. It sounds painful. I but, mean, look. You know that things dealing with the lungs, whether it be a respiratory virus, a bout of pneumonia, um, a collapsed lung, fluid on the lungs. Look, I don't, I don't need to tell you. You've heard from our good friend um, Bob Brennan as he described, you know, what it was like living with this this terrible disease known as cystic fibrosis all of his life, and and de describing what it felt like after he got the new lungs. Um, I'm not saying that pleurisy is the most painful thing on the earth. I'm sure people that uh, are dealing with lung cancer, emphysema, but yeah, just just to make sure the audience know, I'm not bragging. This is not like pain porn. I was just simply answering the question. That's the most pain I've ever experienced. But I'm sure there are plenty of listeners out there that are thinking, you know what? That's only a six. You should. You should. You should you try. Should, right. Yeah. And and honestly, I don't want to try anything else. No. No. Maybe this gets back to the fact that I'm a I'm a pansy when it comes to pain. And yeah. I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm, I'm not I, afraid to admit I, don't, it. I, I cannot handle a lot of pain. But I will say, I stopped taking those oxy. I, I don't know if I'm a pain pansy or I not. Because I didn't want to itch, man. Itching is oh, worse know, than I pain for me. When I, was, when I was in the hospital uh, for three days with my uh, my broken hip mm -hmm. after my surgery, you know, I was on a drip, and I had the uh, I had the gown. It, 
I'd, yeah. I'd had it for like, you know, tw- yeah, 35, 36 hours at that yeah, point. Yeah. And it was like, it was completely warped. It was like half on, half off. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't, you know, bathed and I was just so itchy from the drugs. Uh, yeah. I was like, my kids were there and I was just like so like, pissed Dad, off. I'm like, I, just, I was just, no, I was like, I wasn't even like enjoying. That was the first time they'd seen me and mm. I was like not even enjoying them. My wife took them home. She's like, they finally came in and I like, you know, cleaned me up. And I'm but um, yeah, I, I often wonder about people who are in chronic pain, you know, like our friend Bob. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's possible he's never not been in pain. And well, that's I wonder if he, he even realizes. He talked a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, I wonder. Episode. I wonder if he even realizes that he's in pain. Yeah. Like, or is it just so chronic and such a part of you that you're just like, I don't. Yeah, it's, it's like just, the, it hurts. Right. But, uh, does a fish hurts. know it's? Does a fish, does a fish know, know it's, know it's wet? Yeah, yeah sure. Wet, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna tell you my pain story to liven it up a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Because it's actually not my hip. I know that was so scary. Yeah. For those of you who are maybe unfamiliar with with Nelson Bowyer's uh, life story, um, I have a life story. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, everybody's got a life story. I don't even think you you. You shared that in your life yeah, story. Yeah, probably not. We both yeah. did a life story. Remember? We did a life story. We got yeah. like a hundred downloads. I, uh, people I, are interested. I'll tell people. I fell. Um, I was helping a buddy of mine who had just had appendicitis. He just had his, uh, or sorry, he had an appendectomy, and he couldn't lift for a while. He was building a garage, and he said, "Come over and help me hang up some trusses." He's framing the roof. I'll be honest, folks. I didn't know what a truss was. I'm uh, certainly didn't know it was heavy as it was. I didn't. I didn't know it was an up thing. I don't do up things. <laughs> I got there and I'm like, oh, this is an up, up thing. thing. You had um, to get on a ladder. But I'm like, okay, you know, in for a penny. I can figure this out. Uh, I ended up, you know, slipping and falling uh, about you know 12 feet and mm. cracked my hip on on the concrete. I jumped up because I was so scared. I took one step because I thought. Yeah, this wasn't my, a bruise. This is a no. Fracture. In my mind, like, I said, man, if I can walk, I'm okay. So I stepped and. Uh, displaced the fracture it went oh. into the back of my pelvis and uh my leg was like two and a half inches shorter and lodged to the left couldn't move it and uh, i had to have an emergency orif which is open reduction interior fixation all i know ladies and gentlemen is i, was like a I can i can atti- i can attest to the fact that his leg was shorter because every time he would stop walking it looked like he was on a kickstand <laughs> yeah thanks that was so scary and I was on so much medication, uh, and it was really, really painful. But here's the most pain I've ever been in. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Young man, uh, my wife and I, we were just newly married six months. We had one of our first really big fights. Mm. And uh, we got over it. I don't remember. I, don't, I honestly don't remember what we were fighting about. I know she doesn't either, but I do remember we went to uh, play racquetball at the gym together. Sure. And... You know, we were so pissed. We were going back and forth, and we were swinging from our asses, just like <laughs> hitting the ball so hard. And it was such a competitive game. Right. And uh, the ball comes off the wall kind of high, and I angle myself right, sort of ninety degrees to the wall, ninety degrees to where my wife is. But I'm looking at the wall, ready to like pounce and put this ball away. And um, I don't see what I feel. All of a sudden, like, and she must have swung with everything in her, and my world went black. And when you know, like that pain, you I saw nothing. And your voice never recovered, did it? And I just dropped to the ground like I'd been <laughs> shot by a bullet. And I was coming to. I got hit just square in the plums. Yeah. Square in the like 
totally squared up. And you feel like you almost lost consciousness. I did lose consciousness, really? I think. Because the next thing I know, my wife is standing over me. <laughs> and she's still thinking about the fight. And she said, get up, get up, get oh, up. Let's keep wow. going. And I'm like, and she said, people are looking at you. And I just, I said, I can't breathe. Yeah. From um, that moment forward, you, you realize so, so look, why this This cups. got serious. This got serious. I, I went home. And I couldn't sit. I could not sit down. You were swollen. Uh, I had to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hadn't had children. And I, I was genuinely concerned I wouldn't be able to father children. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I went to the doctor. You know, I was, um, I was a shade of purple, which I'm not sure. I didn't know that things could turn that color. And uh, that gives blue balls a whole new meaning. Oh, it? my God. Well, there, there was no romance in the bowlier house. Nah. Um, you know, part of it was emotional anger and part of it was physical pain. But there was no romance in that house for I would literally say like a week and a half. <laughs> um, I got you can't get a, like a sick note for uh, no. for the army. I got a, I actually got quarters uh, for two days where they're like, don't don't leave the house, sit in a donut. I'm just just. And ice and prayer. That's, wow. That was what I lived on. Uh, so that was my most painful experience uh, in my entire life. And I really don't think that compares to a broken hip. I would, I would honestly say break the hip again. Mm-hmm. If it didn't take so long to recover yeah, from, yeah, I would yeah, say yeah. break the hip again. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, a little, a little levity uh, to alleviate the pain. Hey, does laughter heal pain? Uh, you know, apparently it's the best medicine, right? Uh, according to Reader's Digest. Yeah. Uh, did, we, did we do one on laughter? We did one on comedy, we, did one on we didn't one. really do one on laughter per yeah, it's se. A, I don't know. It's yeah. the same thing. I don't know. Maybe we have to get into the neuroscience of laughter or neuroscience Dude, of we gotta We got to get into some other things. I mean, because I think I crying got, might do it as well. We really have to switch gears and do some history because I can't take more Latin. Hey, You've got to stop bringing the Latin. When are we going to do procrastination? <laughs> Well, <laughs> not for a while. <laughs> I do ready. think I do think our next one, ladies and gentlemen, will be Halloween. Boo! Yeah, we got to do some Halloween. We'll definitely do Halloween. Well, look, thank you so much for your time and attention. It's hope over an hour now. I hope we didn't hurt your ears. Yeah, I hope we didn't hurt your ears or your ego.